This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello, and welcome to another brilliant episode of the Olive Magazine podcast, number 65, if you're asking. My name is Laura Rowe. I'm the editor of the magazine and your host. This week, we're celebrating Afternoon Tea Week with a discussion on the British tradition, revealing our favourites in London, along with a heated debate on scones. Are you a jam or cream first kind of person? I hope the latter. Food director Janine talks to cookery writer Adam about how to use the fiery flavours of Vietnam to up your barbecue game, including a killer nude chicken idea. Plus, we have web editor Alex and Adam back again chatting about the delicious Moroccan wines and tagines of Ezawira, Morocco's laid-back port town on the Atlantic coast, known for its kite-surfing beaches, bustling medina and chic hotels. First up, here's Alex and I fighting over scone etiquette. Hello, this is Laura, the editor of Olive, and I'm here with Alex, our lovely web editor. Hello. Hello. Um, Alex is something of an afternoon tea expert uh, (laughs) in the office. Well, we we all love it, and uh, that's very timely because it's afternoon tea week this week, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Yes. It's a whole week dedicated to tea, scones, cakes, and finger sandwiches. I can't think of anything better. Mm -hmm. Um, Afternoon tea was apparently introduced to Britain in the 1840s. Did you know that, Alex? I'm sure you did as our expert. Yes. Yeah, I did. I heard it from someone. (laughs) I think that's how it goes, but I'm not sure. I think it's like a rumour. Yeah, I mean, there's there's mixed... mixed verdicts on it but apparently it was uh, the seventh Duchess of Bedford her name was Anna and she complained of hunger during the late afternoon which is something I think we can all relate to yes definitely that mid-afternoon hunger um, but yes so we at Olive have the very difficult job of tasting afternoon teas across the country for our dear readers um, and so we visited uh, quite a few each haven't we yes um, many, and lots many. in London but lots across the country too um, and we're, with such a huge variety ranging from traditional afternoon teas to themed afternoon teas it can be quite overwhelming for for joe blogs to choose can't it i think if you google afternoon teas you know you wouldn't know where to start absolutely Um, or you just choose the obvious ones perhaps like the ritz or something like that which are fantastic but there are so many on offer so and that's they're not necessarily the best indeed controversial but yes Mm. um so our afternoon teas in london feature on olivemagazine.com has nearly 30 destinations to choose from and that's just in london um so alex you've been to quite a few of those i have uh, which are your favourites? Um, so I think you can't really compare a traditional afternoon tea at somewhere like the Ritz or Claridge's yeah. with somewhere that's doing something a bit different, like one of the themed afternoon teas. So I've chosen two, if okay. that's all right. So my traditional that, yes. one is, um, and I'm not biased, I promise, <laughs> it's from Yorkshire, Betty's. Um, well, I'd hope they do tea well. They do. Yes. Very, very well. So I think that's the best traditional afternoon tea I've had because it's not doesn't take itself too seriously, but okay. the quality of the products are amazing from the teas they have an amazing um, afternoon tea blend which um, blends Assam and Darjeeling for a really like delicate floral finish yeah and um, they have loads of 
things on offer, but their Lady Betty afternoon tea is um, it's really lovely. It's a bit more posh than the others. And it's the proper service. <laughs> okay. They have that in the Harrogate branch because okay. there's quite a few Bettys. There's one in York, was two in York. There's one in Ilkley and a couple in Harrogate. Okay. Um, and all the ingredients are kept really local. So they have proper little Yorkshire pork and Bramley apple pies mm. and Yorkshire ham and tomato patty sandwiches and all the cakes are just done really well because it's like done on a Swiss it's based on a Swiss um tea room Betty's okay. is. so yeah have a look um have a look at the pictures online as well they're they're gorgeous so it's a really really nice thing to do great um and then the themed one I'm going to come back to London. Can we um, just talk about a couple of the, the just to show the variety again of themed mm-hmm. ones? Because you've been to like an Alice in Wonderland themed afternoon tea, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I didn't go to that one. That was, um, I think that was Charlotte. Yeah. Um, and But I went to a Roald Dahl afternoon yeah. tea at the Shard, which yeah. was amazing it was like they had this great glass elevator filled mm. with lots of different like james and the giant peach like a massive a nice. little peach and then what else did they have they had the menu was made of edible paper yeah. to play on like willy wonka and um and yeah the views of like the shard and because they were saying that's london's great glass elevator yeah. it was a really nice play on it yeah and um, you can get like fashion afternoon teas yes. you can get chocolate themed afternoon teas yeah afternoon teas, gin themed afternoon teas Space- themed one Anna um, Glover uh, he used to work for us went to a space themed afternoon tea which was really cool so there's definitely something for everyone but your favourite one was art themed wasn't it yes it was at the Rosewood in the really elegant um, mirror room which is really contemporary it's got it combines like old um, traditional features of the of the hotel of the Rosewood which is a really really posh hotel with like really contemporary um, mirror installations so it's really spectacular just to go anyway very Instagrammable very much so (laughs) Um, and the whole tea from like the knowledgeable service to like delicate little finger sandwiches and impeccably sourced teas was like really spot on in terms of just the traditional afternoon tea service so they got the basics really really right exactly because a lot often these gimmicky ones can be that just that just a little bit too gimmicky and they don't actually deliver on quality which is really important but this really did and then what made it really stand out was the cake and pastry course because each one of the the treats are inspired by different artists um and our favorite i went with amanda did Linton, and our favorite was uh, the white chocolate box which was decorated with uh, banksy's girl with a red balloon mural i remember seeing that when you oh, put it on instagram gosh, yeah <laughs> just have a look on our instagram account it's like it was absolutely stunning and um and it had like lots of graffiti style I don't even know what it was like paintwork on the wow. outside but obviously it was edible <laughs> yeah um but again it really really delivered in flavor because it was filled with this gooey hazelnut caramel and chocolate oh crimmer and a, and a light vanilla shoe which was like a little profiterole so that was absolutely spot on like the whole thing yeah Lord. yeah that's making my mouth awesome <laughs> um so it's actually quite funny when you're talking about all the different elements of an afternoon tea because we all have like our own sort of rituals and preferences when it comes to tea afternoon or otherwise whether you're doing like a round in the office Mm -hmm. or whether you're doing a like proper spread at home so let's talk about tea first um we've got uh, a facebook live that we did yesterday at sketch Mm -hmm. when we spoke with the tea master there about various blends from around the world and we gave our lovely viewers readers uh listeners a sneak peek into the quirky pink david trigley gallery which is really something special isn't it (laughs) 
Yeah, and the loos as well. Yes, the pod loos <laughs> that moo and do all sorts. So, yeah, yeah, definitely worth a look back on Facebook if you guys want to check that out. Um, when it comes to tea, what's your favourite, Alex? Um, well, I love all. I love all tea, <laughs> um, and obviously, I love Yorkshire tea. Um, I just have to say because um, they're really good dipping. It's really good dipping material for chocolate digestive. So, which Alex is also addicted to. Yes, she every have every day. Digest- the digestive packets. There's panic. <laughs> um, but also, I love something a bit more refined. Okay. And that's oolong tea. <laughs> okay. Um, because it's just really delicate and fragrant, but also it has some real substance in terms of the mm. texture like yes. it's really silky and soft yeah and that's um that's created because of the roasting process that's unique to oolong because yeah. i don't know if um Alice know but oolong is a mixture between black tea and well it's somewhere in between black tea and green tea in terms of the amount of oxidization it goes through yeah i think they can call it they've i've heard it called both a white tea and a blue tea um, right. I think not many people realise how many varieties of tea they, yeah. there are and there's different levels of fermentation um, and roasting and yeah. all those sorts of things. So there's a whole spectrum of tea to be tried, yeah. just like there is with coffee. Yeah, there um, really is. So I never thought I used to like tea because I don't like tea bag tea. I think mm-hmm. it's too bitter and doesn't have much... Uh, delicate flavour mm-hmm. and then I started exploring all these different teas like oolong and those sorts of things and you realise there's such yeah. a, a wide variety of flavour to be yeah. had yeah because um, that's the thing because with the oolong it's the roast that's unique because the mm. other teas aren't roasted mm. I don't know like worlds and worlds about <laughs> about tea but um, yeah I know that it's it's definitely unique to the oolong the roasting mm. process that makes it gives it more of like a, a bit more oomph mm. but it's still really delicate yeah. um, and also, each brew that you have releases like a new depth to the flavour. So yes. it starts off really subtle and delicate, and then each time you know you have another one, it becomes more and more dark and smoky. And yeah. uh, it's actually the name comes from the Chinese phrase Wu Long, which Ooh. means black dragon. So that you know it means the black dragon's like coming out with each brew. So yeah, yeah so that, like that, that literally means just to clarify, if anyone doesn't really understand what you're saying, I'm sure they do, but you know that's to reuse the tea leaves every single time Mm -hmm. so you don't throw them away like you would with a traditional tea bag you just keep pouring the water over the top and you get the different flavor profiles each time yes and you can go like five or six times with those tea leaves can't you so it's um, a very economical way to to drink loose leaf tea as well um i think everybody thinks it's quite an expensive way to drink tea but actually you're getting a lot of bang for your buck and also yeah if you think about um often people say oh that's really expensive for a massive um mm. for a big pack of tea so it might be something like nine pounds mm. rather than six pounds but mm. if you're thinking about per brew you're yeah. gonna get actually it's probably a difference of about 2p yeah and it's just so worth it for it's the really health benefits it. as well because apparently oolong has got lots of health benefits yes which i won't go into because i don't know too much about but i can um, definitely research it for next time <laughs> <laughs> i think it's definitely if you if you're not sure about the kind of tea you like it's definitely worth going to a proper tea shop and having a chat exactly. with someone because i'm guarantee you they'll find you a tea that you like mm-hmm. um i really love earl grey yes, um, a lot of the commercial do. ones that you can get are again quite bitter they mm-hmm. are a bit more black tea heavy um but it should be a real delicately floral um experience with uh bergamot the citrus flavor going mm. through sometimes you'll have like little borage flowers in there as well um and i like my tea really weak so again i wouldn't 
stew it for two minutes like you know some people's parents like and put loads yeah. of milk and loads of sugar in and whatever just really a delicate like little wash of the tea leaves mm-hmm. is how I like to drink my Earl Grey and then I can use those tea leaves again and again to get those flavours um, and I love kind of jasmine pearls um, Ooh, which yes. are really delicious um, and yeah lots of different uh, white teas and blue teas and green teas. Mm, so, I've yes. never had blue tea. I'm going to try that next time. Yeah, definitely worth asking your local tea monger. Mm. That's the right word. Okay, so the next thing to talk about is a bit of a sore subject for us. It is. It's a bit raw <laughs> at the moment. Um, so as keen foodies in the Olive Office, we do tend to agree on most things. Um, well, you know, the Olive team will fall into party line, but <laughs> one topic has got us rather heated in the office. It has. With none of us backing down. Um, but I think I should win because <laughs> I'm the editor and you should just listen to what I say. Mm-hmm. Um, so the debate is cream or jam first with scones. I don't even know why we're talking about it, Alex, because I'm right and you're wrong. Well, um, I think that... we. So we had a poll yesterday on Twitter and it ended at 3.30 today and uh, the results actually have just come in <laughs> and it was 66% jam first oh. and 34% cream first. I'm really disappointed in all of our readers. <laughs> uh, well, not all of them, 66% of them, I'm really disappointed. <laughs> it's It's wrong. Okay, why 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 is it wrong, Laura? So there's there's quite a few ru- re- uh, quite a few rules when it comes to scones. Mm-hmm. One, you shouldn't knife, uh, you know, slice it with a knife. No. You need to pull the, yes. the scone apart. I like a nice rough surface to mm-hmm. lie my cream on. Yeah. Cream <laughs> should be clotted. Yes, absolutely. And I want a big spoon to get all that crust and a yeah. big dollop of cream mm-hmm. on. I want to make a, an equator by spreading it on. So you've got a little kind of dip to put my jam in and then I want a huge splodge of jam on top. It looks prettier. You wouldn't put jam on toast first and then butter it, would you? So why would you put cream on, uh, put jam on and then cream? It makes no sense. It would look ugly. It would taste weird. It should be cream, then jam. End of. No, well, so I agree (laughs) with everything you said up until the order because I think it is so important, just a side note, Mm. to have clotted cream, thick, prop clotted cream. Because whenever I go to an afternoon tea and if ever they serve whipped cream, I literally would rather not have it at all. Yeah. Um, so that's massive, massive downer. On, so just <laughs> FYI, anyone who I'm visiting. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to interject here as well because I am not a fan of a, a, a fruity scone or a, when they're faffed with. No. I have to admit, I'm a real classic scone yeah, kind of gal. me too. I like just buttermilk, really simple. It should be really buttery and be able to pull apart. I don't like raisins in them. No. I've had them... I like the thought. I had one um, in the Cotswolds, actually, where they did uh, lots of different types of scones. So they had like a cherry scone, a blueberry scone, and then a raisin scone okay um but it just one it changes the texture of the scone you don't have that lightness um and it kind of muddies that just really gentle flavor and you want the cream and the jam to shine through so you should have really good quality jam as well homemade jam ideally absolutely yeah um or you know they should have sourced a really nice jam Mm -hmm. um just put my top yeah no no i agree again (laughs) (laughs) um but for me so if you're gonna have this amazing thick dollop of clotted cream mm. then I don't want that to be messed with in terms of texture right. so I want to put my jam on first kind of because I, I like a scone when it's warm okay, so I'm going to put my jam on first mm-hmm. so it kind of melts in a bit and caramelizes a little bit more and then you put your massive dollop of cream on the top right. so 
it still stays thick and it's not like oozing in and melting a bit. I know with butter, I'm completely mm. the way around. Butter, I want it to be sunken. But yeah. with my cream, I want that texture. It's almost like like butter in itself. Yeah. And it's like really mm. thick. And that's my reasoning. Yeah. I can kind of understand where you're coming from, but still fundamentally, I think you're wrong, Alex. Yeah, well... Um, so I need to beat that out of you Okay, I think point. we're probably safer <laughs> leaving it before I get fired. But if you want to join our little debate in the Olive office, um, just let us know on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Olive Magazine. And yeah, let us know which way around you like your cream and your jam. I think we all know which way you should vote. <laughs> um, I hope you will not let me down. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for that, Alex. <laughs> no and I'll be reviewing your contract shortly. Okay, okay thank you. bye. Bye-bye. Next up, here's some flavour-packed inspiration for your barbecue this weekend from Janine and Adam. Okay, so this month in our September issue, we've got a really lovely um, recipe feature, which is all about how to perk up your um, standard barbecue fare with some brilliant Vietnamese flavours. And Adam, hi Adam, has written it. Um, Tell us about your link to Vietnam, Adam, because you're quite sort of involved in, or you you know the country quite well. Um, Well, yeah, my dad lives there um, with his wife. So I've been, yeah, maybe maybe three or four times. Yeah. Um, And I mean... I love Vietnamese food. I eat, I eat it in London. Mm. I cook it at home. So, um, yeah, I think just sort of um, exploring the country and exploring its flavours kind of thought it would be a good idea um, for a feature. And also the flavours work really well sort of um, put into barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were thinking about the barbecue season, you suddenly thought, let's get some of those crazy yeah. flavours in there. Yeah, it kind of started off because... Um, I went to a little island called Phu Quoc and yeah. they do, um, basically you just go, they have like big bubbling tanks of live seafood and you kind of, nice. uh, sorry if you're squeamish, <laughs> um, you basically just pick out the thing that you want and they then take it over to a big charcoal grill and you choose your dipping sauce or your marinade or like what they're going to cook it yeah. in and uh, yeah, they throw it in the grill, you go and take a seat on a, you know, a really, really small preschool primary school chair um, and have a, have a beer with a lump of ice in it yeah. and uh, wait to the, for them to bring it. So that was really cool. I thought that was like a... it's that idea, isn't it, of cooking something quite simply but then packing in all these flavours. Yeah, Let, yeah. Let's talk about <clears throat> the flavours because you've written this quite nice little glossary at the end of the feature which yeah. highlights some of those flavours that you're going to hit. Yeah. Um, if you have Vietnamese food, so first of all, um, fish sauce. Yeah, of course, ever-present. It's, it's literally... it's like the main seasoning they have salt and soy because of the chinese um influence mm. but yeah fish sauce is is really important to them it's also different to thai fish sauce okay and it's slightly mellower it's not as um not as punchy yeah not as punchy i mean it still will make your kitchen smell you i mean know, for the in, it, uninitiated fish sauce is um it's basically fermented anchovy type fish isn't it yeah. which um, yeah, yeah. i actually once had the pleasure of going to a fish sauce factory in um thailand yeah. and and what they do is they get all the the little fishies they put them in massive tanks outside they put salt on top of them cover them on top and then they leave it in the let, sun let, the, let, let it, let let it the ferment sun, yeah. yeah and it it smells exactly like you think it would smell <laughs> yeah. after a fish has been left yeah there. yeah i, I but, can imagine but the point about fish sauces it's incredible isn't it the flavor like it smells like sort of stinky fish yeah but, but tastes nothing like I that i mean it, it's it's it, 
again, like it's this, you know, umami thing that we all talk about, but it's yeah. just got such a depth when you add Do- it to things mm. um, and it's balanced with, you know, sh- like, you know, the Southeast Asian balancing of the, the chili, the lime, the sugar. Um, it just has this depth of flavour, like salt would never, or soy yeah. would, would, well, maybe soy might, but salt would never give you. And it's the, um, in the, in the, the Vietnamese sort of, um, what would you call it when they have um, the four main things? So it's hot, salty, sweet, and sour, sour and yeah. that performs the salt function. Yes. In yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, that's like I think that that those ratios differ between the um, Southeast Asian countries. So yeah. Thai is definitely slightly higher on the chili right. and the sour. Yeah. So they like they well, particularly if you go to northern Thailand, yeah. they like um, you know they love the heat, jungle um, curries and such like. Yeah. yeah. Whereas down south, it might be like the slightly sweeter coconut milk-based curries, like you know the red Thai yeah, curries yeah, yeah. and green Thai curries yeah. that have a little bit more like base sweetness yeah. to them. Whereas um, in Vietnam, they love. This more, it's more sugary as right. opposed to... Because that's it's what I was going to talk about next because people might be... I think you said don't be surprised at the, the amount of sugar yeah. that gets put into different dishes. You'll see if you go on a street stall, someone will be making a sauce and then they'll just be Ladle, throwing... Ladling. Ladling. Yeah, ladles. it's always a ladle. Ladles of caster yeah, sugar. Yeah, it's yeah, not, yeah. Oh, well, it's palm sugar, actually, it would, isn't yeah, it? It would, it would, be would be classically be. But they do use a bit of caster as well, I think, for the caramel. Yeah, they yeah. do. Um, yeah, I think that's probably more of the French influence of bringing that... Uh, yeah. To Vietnam, but yeah, like, I mean, things like the, the caramel pork loin, yeah. I mean, and also there's caramel, there's like sh- lots of sugar in the fish sauce wings yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, they just do like sweet, sweeter flavors, like yeah. the, when they have their uh, Vietnamese iced coffee, it's yeah. literally just condensed milk and, and espresso. You like. need it though, because I was, I was in Thailand recently and I had, a, I had an iced coffee and, and I, I mean, it was, it was Nescafe that yeah. they just made with boiling water yeah, and yeah. then tons of sugar in and yeah. condensed milk and a, a ton of ice. And it was the be- on a hot day. It nothing with a, beats it. A very slight hangover. It was yeah, like okay. the yeah. best That's thing. Allowed. It was just the yeah, best yeah. thing. I so needed it. And it sort of, it restored me completely. So I think they've, they've got that one down. So basically I took that idea and thought, yeah. why don't we add booze to it? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, because you've got a recipe. I have a recipe for it. <laughs> so yeah, I made, um, so basically, yeah, like in Vietnam, the the... The coffee cedar is what they would call it. Yeah, uh, like Vietnamese iced coffee is everywhere. Like, right. it, yeah. So I thought, why not combine the idea with the, with the, <laughs> with the, with the, with the uh, espresso martini? Yeah, and sort of, um, yeah, basically just put vodka and coffee liqueur in it as well. Yeah. And it, it really works. It, I, 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 don't, I implore people to make that. You didn't hold back on the uh, vodka and Kahlua in that, though, did you? No, I no, think I remember not. testing that, and it was quite a heady mix. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, well, because it, because it's really that's, that's why. Espresso martinis in, de- in general mm. are so dangerous because it's really strong coffee and then sweetness, which like you don't really know how much booze you're getting, yeah. which I, it, I think is always the best way. It always works Get as when, much you, when, in you're, as possible when you're feeling a little bit jaded. <laughs> yeah, that, that's yeah. always my go-to yeah, cocktail, yeah. I have to say. Um, so we talked about them. Let's talk about the... Um, so this the the basil that yeah. they use, which is I think it is a kind of variation on Thai, Thai basil, Thai or it's, basil, yeah. it's what we would buy as Thai basil, yeah. and it's got a completely different flavour, hasn't it, does. it to yeah, our yeah. sweet basil? Um, it's it's it is a lot more uh, pungent, and mm. it's also like the actual um, texture of it's different. Yeah. So they add it um, at different. So like when we we in the West would eat our sweet basil mainly yeah. in salads, and you don't really cook with it because yeah. it just kind of goes. Like great, slimy, greeny, brown, yeah, yeah. slimy. Or you would add it right at the end of a sauce. Yeah. yeah. Whereas in um, Vietnamese cooking, it's, it's much more uh, hardy and rusty. You can actually put it in things, and the right. heat, and it still keeps that fresh flavour. Yeah. Like it doesn't lose it in the heat of the 
of the like a pho, for example. Yeah. I think um, that's what I really like about Vietnamese food as well. The way that you um, you often get like a little side dish of all of your things to put on yeah, top yeah. of your pho. They or love your, to garnish. They yeah. love like like a massive. But like a whole bunch of mint yeah. and they also have, they have the right, there's chili. a Vietnamese coriander as well that like you just can't get here yeah. I wouldn't wouldn't include it because you, you can't really get it but it, it's I think it's just slightly smaller and yeah. more delicate yeah. Um, but yeah it's there's like you always get a big plate of uh, herbs to add to your um, so let's talk food. about a couple of these star recipes one that I'm going to highlight which I loved was these because um, I love a chicken wing everyone loves chicken wing mm. uh, barbecue fish sauce wings mm. which um, you kind of make a marinade out of fish sauce uh, chilli and a lot of sugar yeah. <laughs> and garlic and lime but it works doesn't it and it becomes this kind of caramel that eventually yeah. like coats that the sticky, wings sticky glaze yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah I was really really pleased with that yeah. one that came out well <laughs> um, yeah I saw it actually at a restaurant called Smoke and Go in London they do it but they batter their chicken really hard oh, really deep, yeah really hard deep fry it so it's really really that's crisp. a very southeast asian thing to do though isn't then, it then yeah. toss it through this sort of sticky glazy sauce um but i kind of just thought like obviously no one's no one at a barbecue you're not going to deep fry anything so it's no. kind of more marinating the shit the chicken wings in that yeah. and then um sort of cooking them and then glazing them with that yeah on the barbecue, so, so, so they, they eventually get really get really, really sticky, sticky and, and, yeah. and um yeah Lots of napkins and some beer. Definitely. That is all you need for that. Absolutely. And then this other one that I really love because because um, I love crispy bits, yeah. um, which is which is our, actually our cover recipe: char grilled mm-hmm. squid and prawns with crispy. Tell us about crispy bits because that is a massive thing in Vietnam, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they love crispy. But deep frying it is pretty big in yeah. Vietnam. They, um, if you've ever had the more traditional. Because um, obviously everyone knows the sort of summer rolls, the like light yeah. rice paper wraps. Yeah, but they yeah, also yeah. have a separate um, spring roll of their own, which is made like this sort of um, I don't know. It's kind of a uh, really flaky pastry type thing that oh, you roll okay. up, and it's um, very short and. Um, is it like a like a samosa pastry? Yeah, or? but it's I've like never in, had it. It's like I'm in uh, trying to guess now. Shardy. To, it's, I'm literally not describing it. Well, that's all right. Well, but, okay. Um, well, <laughs> but, um, yeah, and they love. Um, they love texture and they love deep fried things. So I thought mm. I'd uh, include that um, on top of some barbecued um, seafood. And it's so basically got, just like... Um, we've got deep fried, is it shallots and lemongrass yeah, and ginger chili, and garlic. garlic. Yeah, and then with some crushed Szechuan peppercorns. Yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not that traditional. That's not authentic. But, <laughs> yeah, that's an Adam touch. Yeah, but why not? <laughs> Sorry if you're Vietnamese and you're listening to this and you're offended, but why not? <laughs> But I like, but I, again, it's that it's that extra texture, isn't it? So you've got like soft kind of squid and prawn, and then you and you've got this beautiful dipping sauce, which is really punchy. And then you've got kind of like all the crunchy bits on mm-hmm. top, which give you that extra level of yeah. And I think that's kind of what slightly sets it apart. And the good thing about it is you can you can make them way ahead. Yeah, so again, yeah. you're not deep frying and put them in, put them on some kitchen paper in a yeah. little um, airtight container, airtight container yeah. and then just sprinkle them on the last minute for that mm-hmm. flourish that's going to get you all the extra brownie points with your... Yeah. A really good tip for anyone at home as well. <laughs> this, is, this is quite chefy. This is what we, you do in a restaurant is, you know those little sachets you get when you buy trainers that is to keep it dry? Oh, like and, uh, um, yeah. the little gel packets. Yeah, yeah, silica. If, silica, yeah. yeah, silica. If you tape one of them to the inside of your airtight container... What? Then that because that the reason why they're in your trainers is to absorb mm. moisture. Yeah. So if they in case they get wet, it, it it's really absorptive. So yeah. if you put it in your airtight container, your uh, like twi- if you like make twills 
overhead or like anything like that that you've yeah. made crispy things it will keep them crispy because yeah. it's it's the moisture that is making them go soft just that's just in the air and but in just, the environment just don't eat that obviously don't eat the and like don't split it don't that open it just literally tape it to the top so it's like got some so it's you know in contact with the air yeah. and that'll uh, this keep is a bona fide tip because adam has worked in some amazing top restaurants that's what they so. do that's what they do <laughs> well let's end on that tip thank you so much for that adam yeah. um you can find all of these recipes and our new shiny september issue out now so go get it go, go and try some vietnamese yeah, do it thank you And finally, if you're looking for a quirky weekend break, look no further than Ezawira, the Moroccan port town. Here's Alex and Adam sharing their foodie tips. Hello, it's Alex here and I'm with Adam. Hello. Writer, and we are going to chat about Essaouira yes. in Morocco. So um, Essaouira, finally we've got the pronunciation right. Everyone, is, that the, is that the way to yeah, pronounce it? Yeah, everyone's I still finding not, it a bit hard yeah. in the office. There's a um, lot of letters in there and it's, yes. it's, it's difficult for, for, for definitely my mouth to say. Yeah. So it actually means... Um, like beautiful image or like something walled yeah. as well in um in Arabic. Uh, Arabic, yes. I assume. Yes. But it used to be called Mogador uh, during French occupancy. Uh, but then when they gained independence, um they changed it to Essaouira. Mm-hmm. Um and Essaouira, for those of you who don't know, is a port in Morocco on the Atlantic coast. Yeah. So it's a nice place to go. Um it's a bit different to Marrakesh because Marrakesh is so hec- obviously it's yeah. incredible and all the colours and the, um, the the markets and the souks are incredible but it can be a bit overwhelming yeah, so yeah. Esware has got a bit more of like a hippie yeah, um, it's, it's, vibe hasn't it yeah it's definitely it's got that sort of well for me it's got that sort of surfery vibe yes. which is why I went yeah, um, well, it's because it's known as the Windy City of it Africa. It is known as the Windy City of <laughs> Africa. Um, yeah, which is why it's really, really popular with kite surfers. Yes. So when you walk down the beach, you'll see, you know, people. And it's like actual professional level, like so people are really, really good. Yes. Um, but I actually went to go surfing, um, which was really cool. Like, So you can use surf there as well, because I know a lot of kite surfing spots like Tarifa in Spain, like mm. you can't actually surf because the wind's too strong. Um, you can. It doesn't make, it's not like, it's not the easiest because with surf, and you need regular waves and the wind kind of makes the waves irregular but you know you do your best yeah and it, it's yeah. very windy isn't it like I'm gonna say because my um I used to live in Tarifan which is known as the windy, windiest city in Europe so when someone said oh it's gonna be really windy I was like oh, I'll be fine actually you know what it is pretty bad isn't it the sand's it, 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 like yeah but it's not <laughs> no I don't mean you know, we don't want to stop anyone from going no there. I mean, not that's at the all thing. no but, I mean, yeah, on like, yeah, it, the wind can get up pretty high, yeah. but there are like secluded beaches and not as like, you know, open spaces. Like where I went surfing, it was, we were the only people for like, as far as the eye could see either way on a beach. And there was just a couple of camels. It was like, <laughs> it was, it was it, genuinely, there was like was camels so down cool. in the sand. So cliche, um, isn't it? Yeah. It was, it was really, it was like amazing to be literally on this huge coast, like exposed African coastline yeah. just surfing yeah it was really with cool the camels. Um, with the camels yeah, yeah. so you can um, great you can surfers also, actually <laughs> you can you can take shelter on there's a really nice um, cool beach bar um, mm. called Ocean Vagabond I don't know if you went there Is it's on, on the, the main beach oh uh, no, no, no beach right okay yeah, yeah yeah so it's just a bit set, set back a little bit but mm-hmm. it's really cool um, but also um, they've built up the Medina yeah. and, the, t- and the, the main town so that the town is protected from the wind haven't well, they well that's the thing you wouldn't even know that there is a strong wind because of the like 20 foot old medieval or middle ages wall that runs all the way around the uh, or the old town or the Medina or whatever yes. Um, yeah so like 
outside, it can be, I don't know, it can feel like really weather-beaten, no, a little bit weather-beaten, you know? But when, mm-hmm. then as soon as you step in the walls, it's like calm, cool, yeah. like, because there's obviously a lot of shade from the really high walls. And yeah, it's like, it's like a little... Uh, I don't know, like hideaway from, it, the, from yeah. the weather. And also I, I feel like it's, uh, hide, hideaway is maybe not the correct word, but it's a bit of a shelter from the, like the rest of Morocco because I really was surprised at how calm it was, mm. even though it still has that amazing vibrancy with all yeah, of the, yeah. uh, there's the hole-in-wall shops and there's like carts flogging like fresh yeah, bread yeah, and yeah, fresh yeah. orange juice. They're really well known yeah. for the fresh orange juice, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and you can just duck into all these like little cafes and um, my favourite was um, Patisserie Dress, which opened in 1928 and it's mm. got all these photos framed all over the walls. They've got wood panel walling um, mm. and also lots of mosaics and pillared yeah. mosaics. Mosaic pillars, um, and yeah. they um, there's lots of pictures of like famous people who've been in there. Mm. But it's not tacky, you know. Some of those places yeah, can yeah. be a bit much. Yeah. But um, I went during Ramadan, and yeah. um, it was amazing because everybody went to get these specific pan of chocolates with icing sugar on the top oh, wow. to break the fast. Yeah, right. Because um, yeah, the pastries in Morocco were incredible, mm. and like, in Essaouira, like I had a lot of very good pastries with lots yeah. of almond as well yeah I ate quite a lot got a lot of good bread actually I wonder because I want to talk about breakfast because okay. I think you don't often think about Moroccan breakfast but well, no heard I think about Moroccan tea obviously yeah, like that's the, like I mean, a given but actually the, uh, as a rule the breakfasts I had in Morocco were fantastic they have these pancakes called Begrir I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right it's B-E-G-H-R-I-R and they're like kind of like a dropped scony type pancake but um although they don't flip it before all the bubbles form on the surface okay so it's like cooked it's like browned on one side but then i think yeah just literally cooked on one side and it's like really holy and airy and sort of like slightly spongy mm. with butter and jam in the morning oh, yeah. delicious uh, and obviously like i was saying the, the orange juice in aswara every morning and yeah i think like it's, it's always I think it's always a good time when you go somewhere and you look forward to breakfast every morning because it's like yes. it's always good and you know starts the day well yeah and some of that mint tea as well mint so tea. Moroccan mint tea is um, unique because they pour it from a height don't they yeah, to aerate, aerate it, it. Yeah. and get the sugars like really um, and it, there like, is around. there is sugars a lot is, but they do like it sweet yeah, yeah. So that's a good way to start the day yeah absolutely um, so um, also if you want to get out of the town and like and experience a bit of the old port and the buildings. There is um, there is um, a specific port area, isn't there, with yeah. these stores called Gargot, and they um, are just where like fishermen and local um, local businessmen yeah. like yeah. just um, go and hang out, and yeah. they they get. Um, fresh fish from the boats literally like they just haul it up and yeah, then they yeah. give each stall a certain amount and they flash fry it or do it with charcoal yeah. um, specifically sardines are the main yeah thing, yeah they? because of that Atlantic coast like yeah mackerel and sardines are the main um, yeah I think when you go down to the port it's kind of like obviously the boats are pretty modern but like I mean, you could imagine it being not changed too much in the last couple of hundred yeah. years. You know? Very atmospheric, um, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you know, that like, again, it's bustly and it's like, you know, go to any marketplace or like, because literally they're selling it on the port. It doesn't go far, I think. It literally comes off the boat and you, people buy it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like really bustly, like people haggling and, you know. Um, and it hasn't been, like, it's not that touristy. No, even no. The, the, um, the word, like, plenty of tourists around but it's not somewhere like you know you see these beautiful market halls that are quite 
posh and yeah, like it's yeah, not I, like that at it's all. It's not like that. Yeah. Yeah. You have to really um, get involved, don't yeah, you? you? Which do. is what I like, I love about like Moroccan like cuisine as well, like because it's very they keep they keep to their traditions a lot. Yeah. So obviously there's the tagine. Yes. Which um, I think everyone just think well not everyone some people just think that oh tagine's a tagine yeah. and um, oh what do you eat in Morocco tagine it's like what type of tagine yeah because the, the thing menus is, are yeah, amazing the, like when you go home it's like what did you eat yeah tagine I, I, I genuinely had a tagine every night for four nights and it was different every night yeah it which was is your like, favourite um I quite like the spicy, fruity ones. So I like mm-hmm. r- like loads of like cinnamon and all those like cumin, uh, coriander, but then tempered with like dates and uh, apricots and things like mm. that. So it's like that nice balance. Um, but yeah, some are thin, like different cuts of lamb. Some's like some of it's on the bone, it's off the bone. Yeah. It's like you know, I had a monkfish one as yeah, well. Monkfish, delicious. Mm. I do like a chicken tagine as well. I heard chicken. Yes, I had. So my favourite was uh, jardin de Duar. Yeah. Um, sorry if I pronounced that wrong, but that's <laughs> a, lot, a, a lot of dodgy pronunciations yeah. in this one. Um, so that's um, a lovely hotel, up about ten minutes drive, just um, in the hills outside okay, right, yeah. um, of the main town. Um, but they have an incredible like evening menu and got so many tagines mm-hmm. but we had this chicken it was chicken thigh and leg and mm. it was on the bone and it had been slow cooked for like hours and yeah, hours yeah. in this Falling, orange yeah. it's, i had this orange reduction with saffron and mm. it was absolutely incredible really citrusy but also really like quite punchy and quite sweet as well yeah yeah but i think they do it, the they do that they do that amazing. well there's like you know when you think of everyone says about maybe southeast asian cooking beer and all that sort of balance of like hot sweet spicy sour like but I mean, it's similarly also in uh, in morocco as well they have like that similar balancing of like you know soothing spices and fruit and sweet sour and yeah yeah that's why i like that's why i like it yeah so yeah thumbs up for the cuisine mm-hmm. um and finally i just want to talk about the wine because it's not something you think about. I think exactly. obviously, like, it used to be ruled by the French, so I assume, like, they have some sort of culture of wine. Yeah, but. so not many, because it's a Muslim country, not many people drink alcohol yeah. um, in Morocco. So, yeah, I was quite, I was quite surprised. But um, quite close by to my hotel, actually, just outside the centre, there's a vineyard called Val d'Agan, mm. and they have some incredible wines. And there's, mm. a, there's a wine called uh, Van Gris, which um, means grey wine. Mm-hmm. And even though it's not actually grey, it's like a, a, a dusty pink. It's a very pale okay. rosé. Yeah, yeah. It's really delicate and yeah. like, it's got a really nice floral finish. Okay. Um, and we had a really nice one from the Val d'Agan vineyard and it was called La Gazelle de Mogador, um, which was like a really light organic rosé mm-hmm. and that was like a bangri as well. So definitely if you're going to Esuera, definitely yeah. try the wines and ask your, ask your waiter because you, you're not supposed to um, ask them about tasting notes because they um, they don't drink, so yeah. it's a bit um, uncouth. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so if you just um, ask them what they can recommend, because they're usually told what goes yeah, with what. Right. So, yeah. so they're still very informed. But mm-hmm. um, I definitely recommend exploring those. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, cool. yeah, I think that's just about it. Yeah, leave it there. So, um, yeah, we've got um, an article going up on the website about Jardin de Dois and um, Essaouira in general, um, mm. and also in our Insta travel in the next issue. So, Which would be look out for that. So, October. 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 Yeah. Yes. October. Look out for that soon. Thank you. Right, bye. Bye. 
Thank you to the lovely Olive Magazine team, as ever, for this week's podcast. If you like what you heard, please do us a massive favour and go review and rate us immediately on iTunes. It takes seconds and helps us to rank so that even more listeners like you get to hear us, which is only a good thing, and sharing is caring and all that. You can learn loads more about the things we've been speaking about today over at olivemagazine.com. And of course, you can buy the magazine itself in all good supermarkets and news agents, especially worth it for the Vietnamese barbecue feature. They are so delicious. And remember, you can talk to us directly on social media. Just find us at Olive Magazine. Thank you for listening. Happy eating, happy cooking, happy traveling. And ta till next time. <laughs> <laughs>